0: hey everybody welcome to m456 uh malachi four five and six today is episode four and i am joined by the lovely lisa (laughs) black if you don't know who that is that's obviously uh gary's wife how are you
1: i'm wonderful it's so good to see your face i miss you
0: i know distance distance creates that you know sometimes when you're too close
1: yeah
0: (laughs) well you know when you're too close sometimes You don't miss things.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I sent your wife a a message the other day and I said, not a fan of texting, also not a fan of never seeing you. So this is just a a message to remind you that I love you and I believe in you. And when I see you again, I'll tell you that to your face. But, you know, sometimes that stuff has to hold us over. So you and I kind of go way back, don't we?
0: We do. We do. We go a long ways back. I, I met you a long time ago and, and I need to say this because otherwise Gary is going to get, he's going to tell me that I didn't say it. This is the purpose of a man. Purpose. <laughs> so we want to make sure. Yeah. We have to title episode four. Otherwise everybody's going to be clueless to what know. we're talking about.
1: It's honestly <laughs> my favorite subject. I love it. So the stuff that we could talk about today was um, actually like an almost complete four day teaching that mm-hmm. I used to do. And so obviously we're just doing, you know, the overview of that. But let's talk a little bit. Like you and I met through Gary, uh yes. twenty three years ago before we even married, right?
0: Yes. I I met you it was the spring of what what it had two thousand, spring of two thousand. So it was it was or it might have been the it might have been that wintertime. Any either way, I, I the only reason I met you is because I was moving your parents into their house.
1: I know that was I so was, kind of you.
0: <laughs> well, there wasn't kindness in my heart. Let me I just need to say that out loud. It's called free slave labor, right? That's what interns are.
1: <laughs> That's what interns do. I know. You are amazing, though. <laughs> and so you you are probably one of the only people that knows my entire family. You've know you know all my kids. And I have to say that you and Hillary are probably the only couple that every member of our family agrees that we trust, that we love, that we want to build life with. Um, so it's 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 a pretty special thing to be able to do this with you and I'm very excited. I think you and I have both been waiting for this. We've both been waiting for an opportunity where we could be fully who we are and talk about the things that we're passionate about.
0: Yes, I t- uh, yeah second second none. I totally agree. We love you guys. You know, when you, you, you hear stuff like that, and then you walk that out, yeah. it's just it's just like it's one of the gems in my life. You know, you know you have the gems in your life for how, the things that are most sacred to you. And it, it is. It's one of our sacred things. And I love it. And I, I'm, I'm proud to, to say that I'm connected to you guys. I love your kids. Love you guys. Love walking with you. It's hard when I live in Oklahoma because it's flatter than flat. So, <laughs> but it's still good, right? Yeah. So then you and I
1: had an opportunity to um, not have all of my kids and spouses and all that stuff around. And we got, we were in Georgia. We ended up at the same event together and Mm -hmm. we ended up having some really really good conversations.
0: Yes. Yes. Well, and that was, that was a big deal because uh, we had spent uh, like a year or two prior to that. uh, We had spent, I'd spent a week with you guys in Spain which was good. I hadn't seen Gary and you since you guys moved to Spain, and so I got to come out and visit, which I love. That you know, you guys had we were still in the in the original apartment, and yeah, so I tiny. can't remember. Yeah, well, tiny, but the view. I mean, the, the I know, you know just tiny. <laughs> you can't <laughs> be not my scene.
1: best moments.
0: <laughs> well, to me, it was perfect because I'd never seen the Mediterranean Sea. And I'm looking at Morocco or whatever piece of Morocco. I can't remember what part of Morocco I was looking at, but it was it was awesome. Yeah, I, it was I enjoyed amazing. it. Um, and so, but then that was the trip that we decided that we, we needed to integrate my wife into, because yes. you guys hadn't met Hillary at that point.
1: We had um, not met her. We only heard of her.
0: Which I was hoping, you know, I always like to embellish, but I think I under embellish on her. She, she is I love her to death. I I can't believe God trusted me with her. It's crazy. She
1: is one of the most amazing young women I've ever been in the presence of. And the thing that's so amazing about Hillary is she's so humble in it. So I feel like I have spent the last 52 years of my life since, you know, I was a, a baby myself and trying to get women to step into their destiny and step into their calling and understand their purpose and see who they are. And I feel like I've just been dragging so many people into that. And then I meet Hillary and she's just doing it and she doesn't really talk about it. And she's really humble about it. And she probably doesn't even realize the impact she's having, but she, she has kept me so encouraged to just keep moving forward and realize there's Hillary's all over the earth. And they just need probably an older woman like me just to keep reminding them that they are, they are walking what they were called to do. They're walking their purpose and that it does matter. It's really, really important. So in the purpose of the man, um, I don't know if you had a chance to look over everything or not, but,
0: um, did you, I did, (laughs) did I did, did. (laughs) well, I'm, I'm having a bunch of random thoughts and one of the random thoughts and, you know, I, I like to give credence to my random thoughts because if, if we're being present and we're in our hearts, I like to trust that, that, that the Holy Spirit's downloading stuff, you know, in our hearts. And so I sit there and I hold on to it, but you said something when you were talking about my wife and I was playing the thought over in my head, the purpose of a man. And, you know, and, and we're talking about Malachi four, five, and six, and how, how does this work? How do we put this together? I think it's, it's crucial to, to take a minute, even before we even dive into your perspective on that is how important women are in this Mm -hmm. and how this functions. I, 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 I sit here and I see, you know, just, you know, taking your life and my wife's life, that those are two best examples I have outside of my mom. Um, I see women doing things that men are not doing. I see women, um, constantly and you're you're a big proponent of this and I see you speaking this out and heck you you put it in the Devo the last Devo that I was reading um I want the men where are the men you know shouting Mm -hmm. out you know fulfill what this is so this is kind of an off-guarded question or kind of a maybe hopefully doesn't catch you off-guarded but how do you feel like women function in that in the sense of they're, they're doing it and we're waiting for this fathers to start being fathers. What is, what are, what are women doing right now? What does that look like?
1: Well, and I would say my, for lack of better word, um, passion is to bring the genders together. And I think that the way, I don't know why I have this perspective. Um, it might be because my dad was a very abused his whole life. He was abused and he, um, was so kind and so sweet and so hardworking that I never had any expectations from him other than for him to just show up and be there. And I think I have a different perspective that, um, you know, a lot of people say my dad didn't talk to me or my dad didn't. I was changed by my dad's presence. And what I saw in my parents was a partnership that it wasn't about roles so much as it was about what they they. Their common goal was to have a healthy, beautiful family and a healthy, beautiful marriage. And the way that that impacted me was watching my mother serve my dad. And it wasn't in a, it wasn't a a beat down abusive way. It was a way of, we had this attitude in our house that our dad was on the battlefield every day. He was out there doing things he necessarily wasn't passionate about, but there were bills to be paid and there were things that needed to be done. And my dad's from that generation where you go to a factory and all that you're thinking about is I have to pay my mortgage and I have to provide food for my family. They didn't have the luxury of thinking like, what do I really care about? What was I really called to do? Like what really excites me? And, you know, most of his dreams were shattered time and time again, but he stayed so faithful In the provision and the protection of my sisters and my mom and I, that it made me watch men and observe men. And it always made me ask the question, like, what am I doing to serve men? And I know that's very unpopular view, but having four sons and having a husband that died and now being married to the same man for 22 years is I still see men on a battlefield and I see the way that they have to compartmentalize in order to survive. I know. I can only imagine the things that you see on your job as a firefighter and in the firehouse and the dynamics and all the things that are happening all the time is it's, you probably don't like, you're not dying to get there because it's like, this is going to be such a life-giving, exciting, passionate thing I get to do. It's a duty. And when you put that compartment in then, and then you walk in your door and you have this beautiful, soft, loving wife who has been on her own battlefield. And then you have these little boys that are looking to you for manhood. I think it's overwhelming for a lot of men. Like they don't, they don't really know where they fit. And I think a huge part of our job as women is to help them understand where they fit and help them understand how important what they do is, but more important than what they do. It's, it's who they are and women speaking existence and truth and purpose to men, I think changes. It opens their hearts. And it gives them a different kind of confidence than when a man walks into his house and he's been on, on his own battlefield and he comes home to another battlefield. And I made a decision as a young wife, like I'm not going to make my home a battlefield that my husband doesn't want to come to. No matter how crazy it got with six kids, I still wanted him to feel like he mattered. His voice mattered. And a, a common thing that women do is we correct our men you know, or we put them down or we, you know, and I I've watched their faces just look crushed. And I'm thinking you're not helping him, you know, and there's, there's a few things that we can do to help our men remember who they are and what they're called to. And I think that gives them strength to go back out the next day.
0: Oh, wow. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> I'm sitting here. I'm taking that in. I'm just sitting here. I'm like, just, I should be taking notes. You know, that's what I should be doing. I'm sitting here. I'll I'm send like, you notes. You're know. fine. <laughs> well, it was, you know, I was sitting here and I was listening to you say that, and I kept thinking about, okay, so what? Where have I seen this? How have I experienced this? And you know, it's easy. You know, we, you know, and not to to get on a sidetrack, but you know, we're in this time, and you were saying this about your dad. It wasn't that he had the chance to really sit down and consider. It was more of mortgage. It's mm-hmm. paying the bills. It's mm-hmm. it's a level but of I'm- faithfulness. Yeah a level of faithfulness that it, you know there is survival in it but it's that faithful I can show up to work and I can do this job and I can make these ends meet you know I, I uh, and this is going to date this I uh, there's a new show it's called Tulsa King it's got Sylvester oh, we're gonna watch it for Have sure, you? Yeah. I, oh. so I'm not in I don't know if Sly's ever gonna hear this I don't care if he hears this or not I'm not like a, a huge Sly fan I mean I'm I love Rainbow and Rocky like the originals it's classic, you know, but I haven't, like, kept up with his, his career. Yeah. But this new show is fascinating to me. One, it's filmed in Oklahoma, and half the places that they filmed are my backyard, where I'm firefighting that, different things like that. I'm yes. like, that building, that place, that sucks. You um, recognize the places. Yeah, I'm recognizing the places. But what, what dawned on me when you, were, when you were talking about the survival, working at the factory, or wherever they were, men were working at at that time, Um, he makes this statement to this guy in the show. He says, you know, college isn't about the grades. When an employer looks at a man or a woman that has come out of college, it's that they did something for four to five years. They were consistent at it. They put Mm -hmm. the effort in, the energy in. And Mm -hmm. that's what I'm hearing uh, you say about your dad. But I'm also hearing that as like my perspective looking to you or looking at my wife is there is, I'm seeing the time. I'm, I'm coming and I'm meeting up. You know, one of the things I hear Gary say a ton, and obviously you're married to him, you hear him say it all the time, it's about showing up. It and about
1: showing
0: up. yeah. Yeah, and and showing up sometimes looks like just checking the boxes. It's, you know, I've got to go to work or, you know, if you're a stay-at-home mom or you're balancing two jobs, like a lot of men and women are doing now and, and, and doing those different things, it's that faithfulness of doing that over and over and showing a consistency uh, to be willing to do that. And that's, I think that's the thing that I've seen in you. And that's the, you know, the thing when you were asking me at the beginning about when we met in Georgia, that's the experience that I had of you in that moment. It was, it was, it was interesting, you know, sharing stuff that you feel like God has downloaded on your heart and and you don't do it well. You know, I no one does it well the first time or the first, you know, the first 10 times, because right. you don't even know what you're really saying. You, you've had the experience of it, but putting words to it, 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 it was, it was hard. It was weird, but yeah. sitting there, I, I remember we, we spent the whole day. It was either a Friday or Saturday, which, you know, we were missing the meetings, but that was like, I think God set that meeting up for me. It was to be what we were supposed to, just, to do. Yeah. Yeah. To just say what needed to be said and to experience you, the first person outside of my wife, because my wife sat with me for years, uh, the highs and the lows. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd come in and be like, oh, I had this dream or oh, I have this thought. And then, you know, downloading on her and then having to walk this out of oh, maybe I said too much, you know, maybe I should give some space, you know, because it's two people here. It's not just me. Um, and then taking that and presenting that to somebody else, uh, was challenging for me and to, uh, to do that in a way where I, I, and you had some good points in there, you know, but to do it in a way to where you can hear all the choppiness and sit through it was, is something that I, I value deeply, um, Mm -hmm. as a man, um, to have that experience there. I don't know. Do, I mean, do you remember us sitting there I, doing that?
1: And I don't think I said anything to you that your wife had not said to you, because I remember at one point when she joined us, she was kind of sitting behind you. And basically, you know, without exposing too much of what we discussed, I saw this young man that had been in a waiting period for decades and had been faithful for decades and had not forgotten his call, had not forgotten his passion, had not, but didn't really have the vessel yet and wasn't really sure like, where is that gonna go? And I think the only thing that I I kept seeing when I was talking to you was it hasn't gone away it's actually been growing through all of this sacrifice from you going and being a firefighter when you thought your life was going to be different and you being a faithful husband and you being a good father. And I remember Hillary was sitting and I was like, John, this is all like welled up in you. Like there's like a dam, you know, when this thing breaks, it's kind of like, wow. And I remember she was sitting behind you and you couldn't see, cause you were looking at me and she was going, and I thought she's been saying this, she's been feeling this, she's been praying this for, you know, uh, probably 15 years or whatever at that time. And it, it wasn't that I had any new knowledge or wisdom. I think sometimes you just need somebody on the outside to come around and say, "Like I see who you are as a man. I see your heart. I see your sacrifice. And I am only going to just reiterate what your wife has been saying to you and, and encourage you that it's time now. It's time for you to start telling other people about what you've learned because people need to hear it. But none of it, I remember just sitting there looking like none of it's been wasted, none of the sacrifice, none of the, it just, that was actually your school. That was your PhD, you know, (laughs) program that you were in, but it doesn't feel like that when you're in it, it feels like you're just unseen. It feels like you're just living, you know, and nobody cares and it doesn't make any difference. And I think that it was just the timing. I don't think it had anything to do with me, but seeing your wife, um, her life, like the way that she's so life-giving and she's so sincere. And I could see instantly when I met her, that she was very careful with her words. But when Hillary speaks, like she only needs to use about five words because it's so powerful. And it's so it's, it's, it's got so much truth to it that it changes the atmosphere of the room and it changes people's hearts. And I kept thinking like, wow, this is like a power couple And she gets it. Like there was nothing that I could bring into that woman's life. She already, she already had it and she's giving it to you, but you just needed, you know, a little more perspective on it with all.
0: Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a great way. You know, I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm thinking about it. And of course I'm doing the random thing, you know, I'm just sitting here listening to my thoughts and, you know, it's interesting to me. Um, how, you know, I'm, you know, I'm living with my wife and then doing this relationship with you and and Gary and then having this moment. Um, I remember this statement that John Smeltzer said to me years ago and it was incredible. I, um, I don't, at at the time I, you know, obviously when you hear something and you've had, you know, 20 years to marinate on it and sit back and listen to it over and over and over, uh, it helps give some validity to it. Right. Um, but he said, uh, he was talking to us, and you know, we went. You know, we started seeing John. He he did the heart papers with us. I did a week long. My wife did it. You know, and it's funny. She she goes, unless you meet John Smeltzer, John Wayne, I'm not going to marry you. And she, of course, so wise. <laughs> I didn't, you know, at the time, I'm like, okay, well, I love my wife or my girlfriend at the time, my fiance. I better meet this guy because you know, who cares at this point? I'm in love. You wanted that woman. Uh, You're like, yeah, I'll, I'll oh, check yeah.
1: that box. You didn't know it was going to change your life. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. And so, so we go in there, we do this, this week long thing and, and God just, and and I know that's, that's kind of a side trail, but I wanted to say that. So I've been meeting with John for, I mean, it's going past 20 years now. And, you know, we went for the week, but we'd also go, we always did counseling together. And I don't know, I'm a huge fan of sitting with men and women that have experience. You know you know I've, I've heard that rumor before I've heard that statement that God's you know Jesus is our counselor you don't need a counselor and I, mm-hmm. I I understand where they're coming from in that but the value that you get when you sit with people that have walked this journey longer yeah. and they they've had failures and successes but they've they've just consistently like we were saying showed up and that mm-hmm. that was super valuable to me and so we were going for marriage counseling you know not that we were in trouble of, of getting divorced, but you know, there's things that you just don't know how to walk through, you know, and oh, of course I don't not. want to tell my dad necessarily everything or my mom or vice versa for her. And so sitting with John and being able to bounce ideas off for three, three, or four hours at a time. But he said this to me. He said, um, a man that doesn't take advice from his wife is a fool. And he was talking about himself. He always, you know, always had his own experiences in that. And he would he would explain to me over the years and he wouldn't mind me saying this, that, you know, where Joyce would talk to him for years saying, John, this is what I'm seeing. Please listen to me. And he wouldn't listen to her for a while. And over the years, God began to slow him down enough to where he could, Mm. he could take advice from his wife. And as you were talking about that and sitting there and that experience that we had in Georgia leading into where we are today, you know, some five, six years later, um, a man that doesn't take advice from his wife i I do believe deep down inside is a fool is a deep fool because if we can't listen to the person that we're supposed to love with our whole heart, you know the the, the number one relationship that we have um, you know and and this is something that I see you and Gary do so well. you love each other well, and that perpetuates you know that's a good question is first of all the advice you gave me advice in that you said this has been a good time for you You, you've been steering this you've been growing this um how is that in your relationship obviously with Gary and as you're walking out the stuff that you've realized in men how have you seen have men been able to take advice from women is that something that you see or is that something that uh, like what John was telling me that most men don't do that and they're foolish for not doing that
1: Yeah. And I think that, um, we all have to take responsibility. Like I have to, um, for the years that I felt like Gary didn't really, wasn't really listening to me. I had to also look at how was I bringing things to him? Was I bringing things to him in a soft way? Was I bringing things to him in a, and was I making him feel like a stupid little boy or a bad puppy, you know, and hit him on the nose because that is going to deflate a man so quickly. They're, they're, they're going to be so busy trying to protect their, the, the thing that I noticed with um, living with all the black boys is once a man's heart is injured, either through, and you can speak this much better than I can, but either through um, a mother or got their heart broken through a marriage or a relationship or whatever, they then are in a posture where they're just trying to protect their heart. And so when, what I realize is when you, especially as a wife or as a mother of boys, when you have an opportunity of an open heart, you have to cherish that and be so careful with it that I will, my sons have always come to me and told me things that they never told anybody else. And I still am holding them in my heart. I still won't ever expose them. I make a point to never make fun of them or put them down. Or, you know, even I can be very sarcastic and I used to think it was funny. And then I realized that sarcasm is just a, you know, it's anger with a smile. And I look back at my first marriage to John Hunt and I, realized that I thought I was teasing him and we were having fun, but actually I was humiliating him and I've actually written him letters. He's been dead for 27 years, but I've written him letters. Like, I'm so sorry that I didn't understand your masculine heart. I'm so sorry that I was a silly little girl in a lot of ways. And so as women go from girlhood to womanhood, we can more, um, have a better understanding of what it means to protect a man's heart. And I think that if a woman comes in softly and I've learned to use minimal words with my men, you know, they don't, <laughs> they don't <laughs> want to hear. There was there was one night Michael had stolen my Jeep and he was in high school and he was out all night. And it was because this girl was just had him all over the city and he was a mess. And I remember it, to, he finally came home at four o'clock in the morning and man, I was, so five o'clock in the morning, I was like, this is ridiculous. This is here. Can't do this. And finally, Gary came in and said, everything you're saying is really good, but it's enough. Like he's got you. And he ended up breaking up with that little girl the next day. And the lesson I learned that was what I had to say to him was very valuable. And I did have authority to bring that to him. But my mannerism and the way I was bringing it to him was maybe belittling him, which was causing him to only hear a few things that I was saying. So I learned to use minimal words. I learned to never uh, confront my husband when he was hungry, tired, or needed sex. So we make sure all that stuff (laughs) is out of the way before we have a serious conversation. Like it's just the basic things of, putting yourself in his shoes and understanding. So if you were my son, which you, you kind of do feel like one of my sons and I've, I've stayed at your house. It's the most peaceful thing in the world. And maybe you just came home from a shift instead of meeting you at the door with my thoughts and things that I, cause I do get excited to tell you things because you're a great listener. And I know that you really care about me and my family, but I would never, I would say, Hey, John, do you want a beer? can I like make you something to eat? Like, do you want to take your shoes off and sit a while? And I would actually try to think what was John's day? Like, like what did he encounter today? That is his perspective that is affecting his mood. That's affecting what he might need right now. And I would try to serve those needs in you as like a mother before I would have a conversation with you, even though, you know, cause you're kind of like a pastor to me and like a son to me where um you're so sincere. And you're such a great listener that I I share more with you than I would with most people. And that sometimes I would get real, like, I almost called you at three o'clock in the morning, because Gary was so sick last night. And I was like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: first, I know John will pray. And I don't know medically, he knows what to do. And I thought, I'm not going to wake the man up. You know, I had to let <laughs> but there. But because we, you know, we have that connection, I trust you so much. It was tempting to me to just be like, dude, I don't know what to do. But I I right away was like, What was his shift last night? Did he just go to sleep? I don't need to wake this man up. And I think that's just the perspective that women need to have as mothers of sons, but also if you have a brother for your father and especially for your husband is, is look at life through his eyes first, because what you're saying about Hillary is she has a set of eyes you don't have. And Mm -hmm. because you have grown as a man, you respect her perspective and you know that her heart is to bring goodness to you, not to hurt you. And therefore now you can listen, right? With a more open heart. And maybe she did it perfectly for 10 years and your heart just wasn't in a place to understand how valuable she was. But now that you understand, you value her words above anyone else's.
0: Oh, absolutely. Man, I have so many questions. (laughs) <laughs> right now in my head, if I'm being honest, I have, I have a ton, the, the teasing sarcasm thing, which no. I might make a lot of enemies on my opinion on some of that stuff, which I want to get to that in a, in a second. I'm going to, I'm going to set that over here for a second, but you said something that was really interesting. And it, it reminded me of something that Hillary and I do. And I know that, and I want to share some of these things because I mean, there's marriages all over the place. You know, we're talking to, you know, the right. whole point of this this podcast, right, is to, to bring back this idea of, of a father in a home, of, of a father being around fathers. You know, Gary quotes that verse that Paul talks, we have a thousand teachers, but very few fathers. Where are the fathers? Because if God created this place, if we have a father, Jesus said, if you see me, you've seen the father. So there's there's this life of Jesus that is full of, of, of of just seeing the father what the father is actually doing, he's getting his hands dirty. He's with the same people day after day, which is crazy. Yes. But one of the things that, that that spawned in my head about that is in my my relationship with my wife is I would I would get up and I had a a specific time of of my life where I did this a lot, where I I had this moment where I accepted where I was in life. Um, mm. And it's one of the things that you and I talked about in Georgia. And I I've thought about it a lot, but it, I remember it was 2011. And I was, you know, I, you know, I did a part time job of picking up trash downtown, I was running a street sweeper. Uh, and I'd get up, at, you know, 334 o'clock in the morning, get downtown, pick up trash, making extra money trying to get this business growing. And I remember I was down there, and I'm, I'm going to get to my question in a second, but I was picking up trash. And I remember I was I was listening to worship. And I just started weeping, and I was like, "Okay, Lord, if this is my life, if being a firefighter is my life, picking up trash, if this is where you have me, okay." I just accepted it. It, it, it wasn't—I wasn't trying to make it happen. It was just this random moment, and it, my heart was open to it. And I was like, "Okay, God, if this is the parameters that you've put in my life, this is where I'm at—to love my wife, to love my 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 boys. I had two. Well, I only had one at the time. We hadn't had Porter yet." Um, but i just had this mode of acceptance so from that my my dream life and i'm not saying cause and effect but god i just started dreaming like crazy after that yeah and so i would get up every morning and i'd come home from the fire station and i would just puke download all of this onto my life like you know and so when you were saying about coming home from work and the way you were doing your stuff with with gary and and with your kids at home i remember I, I couldn't hear that at that time because it was so much I had to I had to get it off. I had to share yeah. it with somebody. Maybe that's a better way to say it. And I remember my wife finally asked me. We were actually sitting in a counseling session with John. This is the stuff that we would go and, and talk about. She was like, John, I know that John Wayne is, is saying all these good things, but it's too much. Like, I need to connect. I need to just have this time. And sitting in that office, um, well, the first thing I felt was, like not surprised, but like, but this is, this is God stuff, right? I mean, I'm having these dreams. Some of these dreams are powerful. And, but as I sit there and listen to what she was saying, it kind of built into a, a system and, and John Smelter helped us out a lot with that, you know, saying, Hey, why don't you take an hour, keep all your stuff, write it all down, but take an hour just to be with each other. Let's, you know, if it's just work stuff, let the work stuff sit over here. let um, the kids stuff sit over here and connect, wow to your spouse reconnect, yeah. reconnect and 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 have that moment with your spouse and when you were saying that that to me is 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 one of those it, it doesn't seem like it's critical like it's a p- pillar of marriage but man it really is it really like, be, is it's it's small it's tiny um but to sit with my wife and to just I mean, we would talk about whatever in those moments. I mean, we'd drink coffee. That was always our thing. And it still is our thing to this day. We, when she's off work or I'm coming home from work, we want to take an hour or two and just, and just drink coffee and we'll, we'll play around on our phones. We'll do whatever. I'm not a social media guy, but she does some of our social media stuff at that time. And we'll just chit chat. But the value in our marriage, the value of taking a minute to wait as a man has been like it was, it's so weird, like thinking about this, this, uh, this idea of being a father of being a man, but taking that advice from my wife to wait, to take an hour to wait has yes. it's actually where I'm at right now, because of that conversation, I can look back and say, I'm sitting here right now, still waiting because that conversation and the, the, the fruit of sitting with my wife and connecting to her was it's just as tremendous it doesn't I can't put a value on it it's too much and so hearing you say that in the way you were doing yeah. that was go ahead I want I want you to say
1: no, that's the foundational stuff and I think that we we always want to skip that right and we want to get to the big picture and we want to get you know like you when I found out you had that trash company I was like wow like this this man is sacrificing so much for his the betterment of his family and I was so proud of you but also spoke to me like who you were and of course that wasn't your dream you thought it was going to look very differently but the faithfulness and the provision and the hard work out of that I think that's what I want men to know is we see that like we see that and we value that it's really important that we say that it's important that we say like no matter how nasty I am or what kind of mood I'm in or what I'm going through. There's been a few fights Gary and I've had that'll sometimes last for weeks. Now we're getting much better because we've been married a long time, but you know how you kind of like, will just like throw their dinner in front of them. Like no matter what, I, how I kind of throw his dinner in front of him, he always sincerely will look in my eyes and say, thank you. And I know he means thank you. And what it does is it, and it's not sarcastic and it's not mean he's, he's probably not like super thankful for who I am as a person right in that moment, but he's thankful that I made him that meal. And he, when he says, thank you, my heart softens. And I think it just these little tiny things that we think don't matter really do matter. And for your wife to be able to say, I need, I need to connect to your heart. And I need you to see me before we go into all this other stuff. Because then she has the foundation and she has the capacity for all of it. Cause you're, you're a big dreamer, literally a big dreamer. And I'm married to a man with a very big personality. And sometimes for us women, it's, we're absorbing so much all day with our children and our jobs and everything that's happening around us. I don't know if men understand how big their presence can be in a beautiful way, but also can be very intimidating and overwhelming. And so that's a beautiful place that you guys were able to come to together of of just respecting and understanding each other's perspective and finding a common ground. And that foundation that you laid there, then that busted up all kinds of things, right? That opened up a whole new level to your marriage. And I think what it has to do with John is what I saw with, with the way that you worked so hard and the way that you would have these conversations was I saw humility. And humility is the key to everything. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter how how what your career is. It doesn't matter how many children you have. Whatever you do, if you can't humble your heart and be a servant to the people that are the closest to you, nothing else matters. And I think that's why we see people that have what we consider great successes, but they're very very empty. So you sitting and having a cup of coffee with your wife is is an act of humility, because everything in you right wants to skip and go to the, the that other part. And oh yeah it laid the foundation for everything you guys are doing. Gary's sitting here he wants us to stop and make uh, <laughs> he wants oh us yeah to we're do gonna have to,
0: <laughs> well we're definitely gonna have to do a part two. I, I was okay. sitting there thinking I was like man we can get going on this but I, I want to I want to tie this together because I love I love how the Holy Spirit puts things together yes and 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 what i'm seeing in the direction and obviously we're going to have a part 2 hopefully a part 3 because i i want to get into the devo and i also want to get into some of the things that you've been talking about you've got a book coming out which is a huge deal and i i hopefully we could springboard onto that on the first one because that's just it's incredible but the the thing that i i love that the lord does is i am a, a firm believer in in wilderness like i i am a A firm believer, some people say desert. I like the word wilderness because it feels like there's trees. (laughs) It feels like there might be some mountains in there and it's not the sand dunes and northern. Maybe a breeze every once
1: in a while. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. But I think this is one of those keys. Like when people say how, you know, especially for the guys that are gonna listen to this and they're like, how how, what does this have to do with being a man? Well first, we're first charged with being a man to our family, you know, Mm -hmm. to our spouse. And, and to our kiddos. And that's, I, I'm not surprised that, that God has wilderness times in life. You know, Moses had those, that, that moment, yeah. of 40 years, David, all, Jesus spent 30 years cruising around building stuff, craftsmen. However, you know, some people say he was amazing. Some people say governor, whatever, but he's building stuff. Paul had those moments, but what we're touching on is and it, it looks different, obviously, in every marriage. Everybody has a little different, unique style because there's two different hearts coming together in that. Um, but it's that's where God has a man, and it's where God has a woman when they come together in the covenant. Um, that's where God first starts this this growing of a man and growing of a woman. Both of them are together in that, and there is I you know it's, a, it's everybody's heard it behind every great man is a great woman. I like to say beside every great woman is a great man, a man that's willing to do this side by side together. Yeah. That's the point. And that's like the first thing that we learn. And if we never learn it, we constantly go down that that circle of this isn't this isn't going together. This isn't working. Why isn't yes. God doing these things? Well, this is yeah. our first place. This is the this is the deal he gave us. You know, for my family, you know, there's there's got to be five of us. So I always say, you know, God, this is a family of eight because it's the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and then Hillary and I are two boys and then are hopefully our future daughter. So whenever that happens. So just casting that out there, stepping out in (laughs) faith.
1: You kind of plug. I don't know if you realize, but you did a little plug for my book with your first couple sentences. You said these things are sacred to me. I was like, oh, that's a good title. Someone should use that. All right. (laughs) You want us to wrap it up, babe? Okay. All right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll call this part one and we'll just see how cool. far it goes. Is that cool? All right. Sounds good to me. Yeah, Thanks absolutely. Thanks for taking the time, honey. I appreciate
0: it. Absolutely. Good.